Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good evening, HSM. How are you guys doing? What's up? What's up? If you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Uh, here at Calvary HSM, we exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And so that's what we're doing tonight as we jump into this series. If you're unfamiliar with our church, welcome, whether you're online or here in the room. Um, our purpose in this series, which is our fall series or our vision series, is to cast Calvary's core values. So the next few weeks, you'll be hearing about our church, hearing about what we believe specifically uh, in our doctrine about Jesus, all right? So today we're talking about how it's all about Jesus. It's all about who? That's right. That's right. It's not about Kanye. It's not about Beyonce. I'm sorry. I'm coming for your next today. It's all good. But it's all about Jesus. And so let's do this. I'm going to invite you guys to open up your Bibles, Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 20. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. If you have your phone, you can open up the Google machine and find that there or download the Bible app for free on our Wi-Fi. Good for you. Praise God. Or if you need a Bible, a physical Bible, we have some to my left, your right, a gift from us to you so you can have that so you can be a person who delights in God's word. All right. When you get there, say amen. For the 12 people in the room who are there, let's go. Here we are. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. It says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among many of the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things. For the things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen? That's our text this evening. I'm going to pray real quick, then we'll dive into it. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the power that comes from just reading your word uh, and allowing it to land on the ears and the hearts and the minds of people in this room here and into the future, into eternity, Lord. We ask that these words will not be empty. They will not come back void, but they will bring a fruit. They will bring back a truth of who you are and how you love us and how you're for us, not against us. Bless this time. Now, God's people said... Amen. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In this chapter, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, we see Paul making this argument, making this statement to a people who seem to have forgotten about who Jesus is, seem to have forgotten about what the center of their life is, what the center of the world is, what the center of all things is. And I don't think that we are very far from those people. I think at times when I get freaked out, which is normal, because the Bible says, when I am afraid, meaning there will be issues that will come, but it says, when I am afraid, I can turn to God, I can look to God, he has promised to be a burden bearer, he says, I can look to the rock who is higher than I, I can look to Jesus, 
who can help me and lift me up. But sometimes I don't look to Jesus. I forget that he is the main thing. I forget that he is my Savior. I forget that he's the one who holds all things. And when I do, I begin to flip-flop in how I make my decisions. Because who you are in Jesus Christ and knowing who Jesus is will define your identity and will define where you're supposed to go. Now, many of us in our back pockets, front pockets, right, left, depending on who you are, or if you're a fanny pack person, bless you. You have a phone, and in that phone, there is a camera that has grid lines. And if you don't have a camera, it's all good. You have one of these, right? And so this is pretty cool. You can get these for like 60 bucks on Amazon, whatever, eBay, your aunt, your uncle. But what's what's beautiful about these cameras, real quick, here we go. Oh, there you go. Sweet. You're forever ingrained in my memory. There it is. Whoever has one of these cameras, you realize that you have a grid, a grid line. And there's usually one, two, three, four, kind of like a cross. And whatever is in the center or along those lines is the main thing you're looking at. And we believe the main thing for our lives is Jesus. Now let's take a picture real quick. Let's see what's back here and see what's the main thing in this image, right? In this image on the screen, there's going to be a young man. Who is that? Connor Swanson. Connor Swanson. Anyway, um, it's, and, and the main thing of this image, immediately you knew was Connor because he's in the center, not the lights on the side, not the chair, not whatever's happening on the backside. You knew it was Connor because he's dead center in the middle. The next picture we have up here is some people from our summer camp in 2022, right? I see Owen Bradley. I see Mel. I see, oh, who else is that? There's a lot of people up there. But ultimately, the main image, right, the main subject in this picture is the red bucket. Will you say so? No. Is it the green trees in the corner? No. You'd say it's the people who are dead center in the middle. And what I want to tell you guys about the fact uh, of, of this focus is that whatever we focus on will determine our direction. If you focus on your issues as the main thing in your life, if you focus on the relationship as the main thing of your life, if you focus on getting a career as the main thing of your life, that's all you get. And you may not even get that. Those things will come and go. In my only 32 years of life, I, I'm almost like Jesus when he died. And gosh, Lord, it's not my time. But, but in my 32 years of life, I've seen things come and go. So many things have come and go. Relationships. I've seen businesses rise and fall. I've seen literal regimes rise and fall. We all lived through COVID together. Like it's wild. Things came and went, and some COVID's still lingering with us, but whatever, right? But the one thing that's been consistent through all those things is that you can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. You can call on the name of Jesus and he will center you. You can call on Jesus himself and he will give you life and give you hope for the future. It says it this way in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that let us run with perseverance. Do you know that God has called you into a race? He has called you into a fight for your life. And he tells us, he tells us this way, that let's run with perseverance, not running like halfway or putting half energy or not fully committed to it, right? Like some of you guys in your broken relationships with your girlfriends and boyfriends, not real, right? Not fully committed. No, no, no. He goes, we are exclusive. As you run this race with me, with no one else, 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. This is the way Zach Zeter said it last week. That set your gaze, fix your gaze on the one who loves you. As you're working through your life issues, you're working through things that are happening in your mind. He encourages us to fix our gaze, not on the issue. It's not, I'm not saying be ignorant of what's happening in your life. But he says, no, fix your gaze on me, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And that's why we say in our church here that it's all about Jesus. Again, your focus will determine your direction. Your focus will determine your direction. And our focus is on Jesus because it's all about Jesus. Amen? All right. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 17 says this. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Here we go. It says this son speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And this is wild, right? He's the image of the invisible God. Then he goes on to tell tell us that, that in him all things, how many things? Some, a few of them. All things, that haircut you don't like, he made it. Like, you are supposed to be the way you're supposed to be. You are not a mistake, right? Like, the things you don't like about yourself, he goes, no, that's mine. I made it. You are beautiful in his eyes. He goes, all things, visible and invisible, on heaven and on earth, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, speaking of angels and demons and spiritual powers, he goes, all these things, I made them and they exist for me. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in all, and him all things hold together. When Paul is sharing this to these people in, in the, the city of Colossae, he's kind of asking them this question, almost, almost like saying this, why would you go anywhere else? Why would you go anywhere else? If this God literally controls, when you think about it, none of you guys thought about breathing. But you just... Now you're thinking about it. <laughs> you're like, oh, should I think? Should I breathe? Or what? Like your heartbeat's just moving on its own. Like who sets that in motion? Who, who allows these things to move and have their being in him? Jesus, the God man, he allowed that to happen. And, and I would not choose or bet my life on anything else except the one who holds my heart, who created my heart. This God is powerful. Now, we just talked about how he's powerful enough to set things in motion in your heart and in the world. This God is super creative, super creative. I mean, when you guys look outside and look at the sun, look at the moon, and look at the, the trees, and look at how the shadows fall on your father, your mother's face, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're beautiful, mom. Like, how, when you see those moments, you think, wow, like you enjoy the artistry of who God is, what he's done. But in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, my gosh, like God made you. This couldn't just have happened. You didn't just like, it's not a happenstance. Like you are not a happenstance, right? Your dimples on your face don't just fall randomly. No, no. God put them there on your face. He made you beautiful. He made your character, whether you like hip-hop or hip-hop or hip-hop. Praise God. Uh, like he made all your, all your intricacies. The Bible says he knew you in your mother's room when you were being formed. He put all those things together. Nothing happens by happenstance. He is creative. This God is in control of all things. There's this idea called the Goldilocks zone. And we're in it, whether you want it or not. The reality is this, that the way our earth is, is spinning in space, yes, spinning in space around the sun, if we were a few degrees left or right from the sun, we would be burnt. Toast. You look all, all like me, all you guys, real quick, right? Or you'd be, you'd be, like, you'd be like iced out, like the ice age. Right? That's what would happen. 
But the reality is we're living in the gold. You guys have watched like the, the Three Little Bears? Anyone? Three Little Bears? There was a porridge that was what? Too hot. Then there was a porridge that was, and then there was a porridge that was just Goldilocks, right? Right in the center, just perfect. That doesn't happen by mistake. And so far, this is the only place we know that has life, right? And in this space, this God has controlled all these small things together. This God is sovereign, meaning he has power over all. But above all things, because this Jesus is God, we can say the same things for Jesus, that he is powerful, creative, in control, sovereign. And he's, above all things, personal. He's personal. He knows you and loves you. You're not a, a foreigner in his family. You're not unloved or unseen or ignored. He knows you. And if a God who has all the control of all these things and still sees me, like, have you ever guys been to, like, a, a party with your friends or whatever, and then you're hanging out, you're hanging out, and you're like, where's my buddy? And you text him, you text him, you text him, and then you're just there alone. And then all of a sudden they come to the door, and they don't see anyone else. They just see you. You lock eyes. It's like, sup? And you just like dab them up, or what do you guys do? You guys have all kinds of handshakes. Like you feel like personally seen and personally loved. Why? Because that person sees you, has awareness of all the things around them, but only sees and knows and is fully uh, invested in you. This God is personal. Jesus is personal. And if you guys have not met this Jesus, I invite you today to open your, art, your heart, open your eyes, even th start thinking about the fact that this God knows you and he loves you again verse 15 through 16 says he's the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation how many of you in this room are firstborns meaning you are literally the first child born in your family hands up real quick oh, oh one two three oh, oh five twenty thirty five seven just kidding 40 okay two kids in this room are, are firstborn right now when you read this word firstborn you think like i just did who is firstborn, right? Who is born first? But in this context in the word, the word firstborn talks about not only, yes, can be used to talk about the firstborn child, but it talks about the word being preeminent, being important, being the most seen thing. And so when you read it again, we hear that Jesus is the first, the most important over all creation, Meaning in all the things that exist in the world, he is the top dog. He is the one you look to when you need help. He's the one who's in full control. He has the keys to the kingdom. He has all power and authority. And in, all, in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Everything is under his control. Which makes us think a little further that no one dies too early or too late. Because God allows things to happen in time. Which makes us think about how the grade you got is the one you're supposed to get in that time. Be okay with it. Which means that the hand you're dealt, the family you're in, great or not great, God has put you in there for a reason. That all these things are littered, are, are, are linked, or tied together with purpose by this God because he is the most important thing of all. What happens is that when we flip the idea of him being the first and put other things in his role, that's when we mess it up. When we put our, our focus in life on a relationship, for example, and I've been in a few relationships. My first relationship was great. I'll tell you right now. It was amazing. But it also tore me down. Why? 
because I thought that person was the best thing ever and I didn't want to do anything else. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to be near my phone because I might miss a text message. It's like they're not even thinking about you. They're on the toilet. They're doing something else. Like we have all these things that are attached to this one person. You guys laugh, but you, all the time that happens in your house, right? Like you have things that are the most important to you. Like you put notifications on for particular people on your Instagram so you don't miss their posts in stories. Would you disappear after 24 hours? Like it's wild. These things hold us in a chokehold. And yet when those things disappoint, we demonize them. See, whatever we, whatever, we, whatever we idolize, we will demonize. Why? Because those things will eventually fail us. But this Jesus who's on top will never fail us. It says this in John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Speaking of Jesus, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son come from the father full of grace and truth. When God wanted to reveal himself to us, because when we think about God, many of us, we think about him as an old uh, white dude with a big old beard sitting on a cloud somewhere eating KFC. I don't know what happens in your minds, but in my mind, he's eating KFC, right? But, but the, the reality is this. That's not the image. The image of God, when you think about God, he wants us to think about Jesus. Because I've never seen God physically. I want to. I mean, I'm looking forward to that day when I stand before my maker in the full splendor of his glory, where there's literal songs and stars singing and angels singing, and just to be overwhelmed by the glory of his presence, I look forward to it. But until that point, he gives us his son. He gives us himself in Jesus. The greatest gift that God could ever give us was himself, and he did that in Jesus. And he says he gives us Jesus full of grace and truth. If you're looking who, to, to who Jesus is in his character, look at Jesus. To know the heart of God is to know Jesus. God is not angry with you. He's not far away from you. He's not distant. He's personal. He's close to you. And this Jesus wants you to know him in grace and truth. And what is grace? Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. I know I don't deserve the life I live. I know I don't deserve the car I drive or the wife that I'm married to. You guys know my life is crazy. Like the things I've done in my past, wild. I don't deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be here, considering where we've been and where our minds go. We have 100% time after time, day after day, hour after hour, what the Bible calls sinned against God. When we make our way and not his way, when we choose to go what, with our uh, way of life and not his way of life, the decision to either smoke a blunt or not smoke a blunt or be present with your friends and, and love on a friend in need and deciding to go be selfish and do something else. Like in those moments, we make split decisions about ourselves and about others. But for many of us, we've failed. We've missed the mark. And the Bible says that this Jesus, even though we've missed the mark, has given himself for us. If we focus on him, then we are able to live in his grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. We all deserve punishment. He gives us his love. And then he says he comes in truth. Now, when I say truth, you might be like, your truth, our truth, if everyone's truth. If everyone has a random truth, then there is no absolute truth. But Jesus comes as a standard. If we ask someone in this room or on the street, is there anything that is bad? And they'll be like, yes or no. Most people will say yes, that there's a standard. But I ask you here and now, where does that standard come from? Where does the standard of wrong and right come from? 
Why is it that in the, in the hearts of all humanity, there is a standard that God has impressed upon your heart of what is good and bad? Where does that come from? That comes from Jesus. That comes from God. See, in Philippians chapter 4, it says that you should focus on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is of good report, whatever is, is praiseworthy. Think on these things. And when I look around our world, I see nothing that is pure. Because everyone's like everyone is trying to do, be with you so they can get something from you. Like, very few people enjoy their jobs. They work just to get the paycheck. And so they'll put on the lizard smile. You guys know the lizard smile? It's like when you walk down the hall, and then you see someone, you're just like, you keep going. Y'all do it all the time. You're like, how you doing, brother? He's just like, no teeth, no emotion. He's just like right there, right? Just lips, no teeth. Anyway, the point is, we all live on the surface of all these things. But this God wants to give us the depth of who he is. Because he is a God full of truth. He wants us to see him as a standard. So when he says that he loves you despite all you've done, that's truth. When he says that away, apart from him there is no way to the Father, there is no way to enter into glory in heaven, that's truth. When he says turn from your sin, like turn from all these things that are literally hurting you. When God tells you no and Jesus tells you no, it's not to harm you, it's to help you. Because he loves you. His truth is a standard of all truth, of all that is good and lovely and pure. This Jesus shows us the heart of God. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. This is why all that we talk about here is Jesus. Because Jesus is God. He's God. That's why we sing about him. Did you hear us singing about Beyonce up here? No. She didn't do nothing for us. Like, did you hear us sing about Taylor Swift? Come for me, Taylor Swifties. What do you call you guys? What are you guys called? Swifties? Come for my neck. I don't care. We'll fight. Like, it's, it's not about Taylor Swift. It's not. We don't sing about her. She's amazing. Great artist. Whatever. But we don't sing about her. Why? Because she's not God. She's not in control of all things. He's not in control of all things. Your emotions, your, 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 your feelings are not in control of all things. And like I said before, whenever we flip and our emotions lead and become the most important thing, that's when we begin to fall away. Jesus is God. And by definition of him being God means he has all control over all things at all time. And he's the one we can look to when we need help, which is why it's all about Jesus in Colossians 1, 18 through 19, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among, from among the dead. Now, I don't know if you guys are reading that like I'm reading that. Before understanding it, you might think that we worship this resurrected zombie king who makes dope from dust. Like, that's what you think about. You're like, oh my gosh, we're worshiping a zombie guy. Like, what is this? Because it says he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Like, what is that? Well, we're going to unpack that for you real quick. When it says he's the firstborn among the dead, that means that he himself, of all people in history, there's no person, go look it up, go Google it, who ever died and came back from the dead and is still alive today. Not one person. And Jesus resurrected people from the dead. The Bible talks of a man called Lazarus, the man whom Jesus loved. Lazarus died. He died. And Jesus went up, resurrected him, and then what happened later on? Lazarus died. Like, that's what happened. 
And so what Jesus does when he dies on the cross for our sins, when he gives himself willingly for our mistakes like we've said so eloquently before, in faith if we trust in him, we ourselves will never die. That's his promise in the book of John, that those who trust in Jesus will never die. You won't die. Death has nothing on you. He defeated death and the grave. And we can trust him because he is God. And this God is the head of the church. It says this, that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. He does this, why? So he can have control over all things, not just physical things, but also spiritual things. Do you realize that you are a spirit you have in you, the actual countenance of who you are, that when you go to heaven, you won't look the way you look right now? I'll know who you are. We'll know who each other is, but this will all pass away. And for him to have control over death and the grave, the spiritual and the physical, he had to give himself willingly. He did that. Why? So he could have power over your sin and power over, over all these things that have you in the chokehold. Which is why when I sing about Jesus, I am crazy. I'm willing to look wild and to look uncouth and to look crazy. Why? Because I know what he's done for me. The Bible says you would barely die for a good man. That's what the Bible says in the book of Romans. You'd barely die for, you'd think about it twice, but to die for a rebel, die for people who don't want him, because ultimately, none of us ultimately want God, and it's a literal miracle that you're in this room on a Sunday night willing to hear about this Jesus, this man of Nazareth. It's crazy. Why? What does it make sense? What makes sense that he's actually not just a good teacher? or just a good man, or just a good prophet. And many people, when they read this verse, for example, like the Mormons, they'll see that this Jesus is Jesus' brother. Is, uh, sorry, this Jesus is Satan's brother. But that doesn't clock or count with what God is saying about Jesus or what Jesus says about himself. Other people, like people in, in Islam, will say that Jesus was just a good prophet. But Jesus' claim is not to be just a good prophet. Some people will say he was a wise shaman. He was just a good speaker. He was a good teacher. But if he was a good teacher, he'd have to say things that are true. And Jesus' main claim is that he is God, God in the flesh. And that's why they killed him. And that's why they killed him. He's not just a man. And that's why you worship him and everything revolves around him. In verse 18 through 19, it says about this Jesus that he is the head of the church. It says he's the head of the body, head of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn. Again, there's that word, the most important amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have, again, the fullness dwell in him. He's the head of this church. When I think of church, for some of us, we might think of the building. In our room, it's not just four walls. It's like five walls. It's very randomly built, right? You think of the five or four walls of our building, right? Or if you've been on a mission trip, you realize that churches aren't only going to be buildings. They can be under a tree. Or if you've been to a small group in the park, you're like, oh my gosh, the church is us. You realize the church is the people. He's the first, the top, the head of all these things, of all these people. The head of what the Bible calls the ecclesia, the called out ones. That he's the head of these people who've been called out of darkness into light. That when Jesus looks at you, you have a function and a part because he's ahead, which means the rest of you have to be fingernails, toes, 
Some of you are like, I don't want to talk about toes. Uh, the nostrils, or whatever. Like you all have a role in the body of Christ. None of you is here without purpose. Like we talked about this a few weeks ago about how like if I cut off my big toe by mistake, I mean, that, would, that would hurt. Okay, let's be real. That would suck. My balance will be off. I'd be walking with more swag than I usually have. It'd be weird, right? You'd be like, that's not Aaron's swag movement. Let's not do that. Major cap. Like, that's not what's going to happen, right? It would be weird. But once I have all of my body active and living and moving, meaning if you're doing your role, if you're called to love people who are in special abilities and you're doing it well, if you're called to love people through street evangelism, meaning you're a person who's willing to go out and meet people and just talk to them and be an, an open ear for them and then preach the gospel and encourage them and you're doing your part, if you're willing to be a person who has the gift of giving, Right? You're not stingy like Pastor Aaron. Like you're just like going out there being like, hey, you want a coffee? I got you on Tuesday. Why? Because I love you. I want to give you a coffee. You're like, oh my gosh, it's wild, right? If you have those gifts, all these things happening inside of you, and you're all doing your part, the whole body works well together. And I'm confident if you've trusted Jesus, you all of you in this room have different giftings that God has put on your life that you're even yet to discover. Which is why we encourage you to jump into a small group to discover your giftings or go on a mission trip. The deadline is October 1st to sign up to go discover what God has called you to do in the context of his people out and about in the world. Like, who Jesus is defines our identity so much so that apart from him, we don't know what we're doing or where we're going. This Jesus is the head of this church, meaning I'm not the head of this church. Like, I didn't come down from the sky on a like metal string, like floating down. I know you guys were like, oh, Pastor Aaron is here. That didn't happen. That's very cultish. If that ever happens, run, okay? <laughs> Just run. That is not the way, that is not the place to be in, right? Like, I'm not asking any of you guys to buy me a car or to do all these things for me. That's not happened at all because this church is not about me. I am not the head of this church. And yes, in this body, this place called Calvary Community Church where we gather, there are elders and a, 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 a pastoral team that are executive people or even pastors, even small group leaders or even leaders. But all these things, all these people are nothing in comparison to Jesus. We do all these things for Jesus. Now, we're talking about Kanye or Beyonce, but even be weirder if you guys were singing about Aaron. What? Like, that would be... Like, stop laughing. That's too much. You laugh too hard, Josh. Like, it's, it's, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be singing about me because you realize in comparison to the one who loves you, who gave himself for you, I am nothing. I am nothing. And yet he is everything. And what I want to promise you, for those who are in this stream, I want to convince you and just speak to this, that... The most important decision for you to make in your life is going to be about who Jesus is and whether you trust him as your Lord and Savior. That's the biggest decision in your life. Everything else, where you go to college, who you marry, nothing, minuscule in comparison to the truth about who Jesus is. And I believe that he is Lord, that he's not thief, that he is for you, not against you, that he's not a liar. In fact, he is the truth and the way and the life. And no one can come to the Father, can have peace of life except through him. This church, this gathering of called out people belongs to Jesus and responds to Jesus. And then we make decisions about how we're supposed to spend money. We think about what would Jesus do? Would he want us to care for the people in other countries and other spaces? How would he want us to love the people in our context? When we think about FNL 
and the literal time and hours our volunteers put into to come in here and to, to hang out with you guys and to allow you to invite your friends. Or when we think about a lock-in, we're thinking about how can we present the gospel to people. When we're thinking about uh, how we're going to do small groups. Oh, this is closer to this person's home. Everyone can gather there. And that person's mom makes them dinner every night. That's a great place for people to meet Jesus. Like we think about all these things. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. When we think about Jesus, we have to think about him as the main thing. Now, when I was growing up, we grew up in Uganda. We come back to visit the States every five or so years. And it was dope. It was fun. We get on the plane, family of five, uh, very expensive flight. And we come back to the States and we go get some food. And like the main things I, I like to eat were Pringles, grapes, because grapes seldom grow in Africa. Uh, they grow in some colder places, but we'd have to have them imported. It was super expensive. So it was grapes. Pringles and a bunch of leftover candy from the Harvest Festival or whatever, like, harvest, like, party plan was happening. But I love getting Pringles. And when I look at these Pringles, is the main thing in this Pringles the branding? You th when you think about Pringles, do you think only about the branding? Like, you think about eating this branding. You think about eating this mustache off this man's face. That's what you think about right now. That's, no, you don't. Like, do you think about, like, eating this tin foil? Come on. Are you sure? You're okay? Are you sure? You don't want to eat this. Why not? It's not the main thing. It's okay, it's not the main thing. So what is the main thing? Would you like to have a Pringle? Okay, all right, Davis, here you go. Now you have to pray and multiply it for all these people. <laughs> okay, here you go. Right, the whole thing, there you go. When you make the main thing the main thing, when the main thing is the main thing, and it's not about the outside of it, because some of us come here and it's like, oh, I like Jesus because he helps me on Tuesdays when I feel bad and I go to a small group and I want to talk to someone. I feel better then. That's it. You don't use him. You don't, you're using him actually like a drug, like you're popping pills of Jesus on a Tuesday or using the pills of Jesus on a Sunday because it feels good, Right? Because he wants to be the thing you surface use or surface be attached to. He wants to be the, the part of you that you envelop, that you savor, that you enjoy. Like when I think about enjoying those Pringles, I think about how it's shaped just the way my mouth is shaped. And when I put it in my mouth, there's a crunch that comes to it. Mm, praise God. And then I crunch and it's salty, and it's just savory, and I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm enjoying it, right? And it sounds weird to you, but to me, I'm like, dude, I'm feeling all this Pringle, right? I'm feeling all, he wants us to experience all of who he is, because he's the main thing. So when you come to this space, and let's say maybe your friends are not here, that's a real thing, that can be sad. My friends are not here today, oh, it's okay. There's other people to make friends with, but the one we come to worship, the one we come to focus on, is Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we wrap up here. The first use of the word church is in Matthew 16, 18. Peter says, uh, Paul, Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Who will build this church? Jesus will. He's called you out from darkness into light to build his church, to live and love like 
thank you amongst his people to be an example, an example of his power and his love and his grace to those around you. And so church is not about numbers. It's not about popularity. It's not about power. It's about the power of God in Jesus, the one who's able to strip away us from our sin to give us freedom, the one who's willing to give himself for us. And how does he do so? He does so by giving himself on the cross, Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or, on, uh, or in heaven, by making peace through his shed blood on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he reconciled, meaning he made all things together. He put all things back in their original order through him and by him and to him. Which when I sing these songs and lift up my hands, and when I preach all crazy and make these random jokes, it's because I know that at some point, I would hope my faith is that you would trust this God. You would trust this Jesus. That he is not just a person who has a random beard and a really good skin. According to whatever TV show you watch, right? Like he is not a man. He is Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And that starts by you saying, okay... God, I, maybe like Pastor Aaron said in the beginning, sometimes I forget. I forget that you are the main thing. I forget that you are the one that I can come to. I forget that you are the one in control of all things. And so I begin to bury this, this, this thought, this truth about who you are underneath this avalanche of worry and anxiety and depression. I worry about my next steps and I don't focus on you. I don't set my gaze on you, the one who loves me, who gave himself for me. This God, this Jesus in Isaiah 53, 5, this is what he says, and this should free you in this room, right? Isaiah 53, 5, I'd hope you'd memorize the scripture or hold on to it or just pin it somewhere in your, in your hand or in your heart or in your back, your back pocket on a piece of paper. It says that he was pierced for our transgressions. This Jesus took pain. He took death for our transgressions. Transgressions means willful sin. No one trips and falls into sin. Sometimes you hurt people by mistake, but he died for your willful sin. For every mistake you're going to plan to do. For every cuss where you're thinking of, of spouting out at someone. For every time you choose to roll your eyes at someone. For every time you choose to disrespect someone. An image bearer of Christ, he has chosen to forgive that. He says he was crushed for our iniquities, meaning because of Adam, all of us had our sin in Adam. We were born in Adam in Genesis chapter 1. And we have nothing to do but be a people living in sin. So what he does is this. He says, I, I took care of that. What you can control and what you can't control, I, I took care of all those things. I cover them in my blood. And it says this, the punishment that brought us peace, the peace that you now live in, where you can make mistakes and have full confidence that God loves you the next day, that you and God are good and ha don't have to have the, the, the weird feeling in your heart like, oh my gosh, are we good? Are we okay? I don't know if I die tonight, I'll be okay with God. No, you can have peace. He says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. This is why it's all about him. Because no other man, no other person in history conquered death and the grave for the rebel. No other man in history can love us the way he does. No other man in history knows you the way he does. I want to ask us, if you're in this room, we're all going to stand up real quick. 
And as we're standing on our feet, there's people in this room who've made decisions, like me at times, to not fix our eyes on Jesus, where our worries or whatever it is seems to supersede. Our relationships in life supersede the, the one who is the master of relationships. When our delight is in other things and not the one who gives us all of who he is, whose words are sweeter than honey, whose life and light gives us hope in the future. If you've been in a place where you've been in darkness or confusion or loss, and you've, you're unable literally to turn your heart to this God, in this moment, God is speaking to you. I don't believe it's a mistake that you came to this service on a 5 p.m. in the evening on a Sunday. It's not a mistake. If you've been in that place where you've been without hope, this message is for you, that it's about this Jesus and he wants to set you free. And if you're in this space and you want to, one, rededicate your life, which means you're saying, God, I've not been living that way with you. I've not trusted you as the center of all my life. I've not trusted you with my future and my past and my very present. Then I would ask you to have this invitation. God is here with you and he wants to heal you and make you new. Where are there leaders in this room? There's leaders, can we get some lights on the floor real quick? There are leaders in this room. Put up your hands, leaders, in this room. All right? Those are hands. Those are adults in this room. People who have walked this walk with Jesus. People who have made mistakes like you. Those people will testify that this God will still take you. This God will still love you. This God will not reject you. This God is for you. And if you're in this room and this is your first time hearing this idea, the gospel, that God dies for the sinner, that this God, Jesus, the God-man, loves you, I would encourage you to see one of these leaders in this room, to have that conversation about where you are. And if you're like, man, I, I, I feel like I can't have this conversation, write it on the prayer wall and say, someone text me, someone call me. I want to know about this Jesus who controls all things. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for the fact that you are preeminent. You are the most important thing, invisible and visible, that you have power over death and the grave, that you give us and you offer us this freedom freely out of love, that you are compelled by love to give of yourself. And so, Lord, I ask that for those in this room who are not experiencing this love to the fullness that you are giving, Lord, that they learn to reach out, that they learn to fix their eyes on you, that they do so by practically finding a leader, that they do so practically, practically by praying to you, that they do so practically by seeking you in your word, in the Bible, that they do so practically by going to that prayer wall and reaching out and crying out to the God who has control over all things. And Lord, your word says that we know that we are your children because you hear us when we pray. Lord, we know you will hear their cry and you will rescue them, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing upon all those who choose to trust you because you said that those who call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Lord, hear their cries. Hear the, the cries of their hearts, Lord. May they trust you anew. And all God's people said, amen. All right, we invite you guys to come up to the front. We're going to sing songs about this risen Lord and Savior. And with that truth, Y'all better go hard because this God is alive. Because he's alive, we are alive.
Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a